Welcome back to Propane Fitness Podcast, episode 44. This is part two of our interview with Andy Morgan from ribsbody.jp. So before you listen to this, make sure you've heard part one. You can check that out on iTunes, on propanefitness.com, Android, Stitcher, and on YouTube. This is a video interview. So let's get back into part two. Um, we did want to also ask you about the fact that you're living in Japan and your karate background. You, you mentioned that you were attacked. Can you tell us a bit more about that? Um, yeah, I don't think actually I did at the start of the podcast mention that one. I, I might have just before when we were chatting, but yeah, yeah I, um, I was never good at karate, by the way. Um, I just didn't enjoyed it. You know, I say I came to Japan for karate, but it doesn't mean I'm any good. <laughs> so I don't want to have that in anyone's minds. I just turned up, did the training, and yeah. Uh, yeah, the reason I got into karate was because um, I think I was 15, and uh, I just wound up with a glass bottle around my head. Um, not very nice situation. Um, just in my hometown, Sutton Coalfield. Um, a group of kids piled off the, the bus. One leapt out of the back window, and this is a double-decker bus, um, and uh, 20 of them, maybe, and they uh, they piled across the street towards me um, and uh, five friends, Good and they help. just they just wanted some, they just wanted a fight, and I ended up ended up with that bottle around my head. The funny thing is, I defended the first blow, and then I went, ow, you know, and then I didn't think to block the that the, it'd swing again, and uh, yeah, just copped one around there. Just here, actually. Oh, man. So, so, so when I go bald, I'll have a really cool little scar. Um, so that, um, that was a very, uh, that was a, a life-changing experience for me um, because, um, so my school was in a really rough area. Um, it was in Aston. It was a good school. I went to a grammar school. Um, it was in Aston, um, and it was a great area 150 years ago and it's a not so good area now and so I was used to watching my back um, getting a school bus home um, getting or getting public transport home when we would go down to the rugby field and then have to get the public transport home so we'd, we'd been set upon a few times on the way back to the bus stop and uh, in fact in my first week of school when we were is it 11 is it uh, yeah yeah 11 um, Adam had his guitar nicked, um, and uh, a couple of other lads had their bus passes uh, uh, rob robbed off them. Is that the word? They're, they're, they're mugged at the bus stop. Uh, so, like, uh, one kid was uh, bundled into the back of the van in Aston Park and uh, oh, beaten up and taken to the ATM. So, so, like, none of that was new to me, but kind of in my backyard at home, um, not not backyard, but in in my hometown, that just that was very that was that was kind of um worldview shattering it's like oh wow that just yeah i didn't feel safe anymore and i wouldn't go around that end of town um anymore and uh it shook me up for quite a long time actually and so um my uh piano my keyboard teacher at the time bob he said um oh, why don't you come down to karate so i did and um, the guy there at Karate, um, this is a Windley Leisure Centre, um, if you live in Sutton Coalfield, um, where all the good people, Dorian Yates, come from. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it, yeah, uh, Pete, um, 
he was the karate instructor for the juniors there. I think it's probably a fourth down now, but I think he was a second down at the time, second degree black belt, that means. He actually um, got into karate, I believe he got into karate. Um, no, no, sorry, yeah, this is right. After he was stabbed and left for dead, um, and he's just a weapon now. Um, and, uh, and his classes were really serious and I really liked that. But then I, I, I kind of figured out after like a year of doing this that, you know, the best, uh, the best remedy for this is not to be attacked in the first place. And I was very tall, but I was very skinny. So I thought I'd have to go to the gym, but I spent years just not, um, really knowing what I was doing, um, and not gaining any muscle and not gaining any muscle past a certain point. And not really realizing why. Now, now looking back on it, the answer is so clear. Um, but back then, I couldn't see. Okay, I needed to eat more. I needed to stop trying to chisel this pebble. I needed to build myself up first, you know. Um, and this really, this continued up until I was twenty-five, I'd say. Um, I went to Japan. I'd been traveling a bit um, in my summers between university um, years. And um, I wanted to go to Japan to do karate for a year before getting a, a proper job. And um, and I, yeah, I went and um, I just ended up staying. And then I got into the Aikido. Turns out the, the headquarters, the world headquarters for the, the um, Shodokan style of Aikido, which is the hands-on version of Aikido, um, where you really get to test your skill. It's not just kata, it's not just form, but you get to fight. Um, that was uh, just down the road, 10-minute cycle down the road, and I was like, brilliant. So uh, I did I started doing that every day. And, um, and uh, yeah, it was about, I think it was 2008, 9. I was on the beach in Goa, and uh, there was this um, really... She's just beautiful, beautiful girl named, I won't say her name. Um, <laughs> I saw her on the beach and uh, I went over, uh, because you never know, you know in the future. No, yeah, and no. I, I, I pluck up the courage, because I'm, I'm, I'm quite shy when it comes to talking to girls. I pluck up the courage to say hello. And, um, and uh, she said to me, not obviously right then as a first comment, but she says, you know, you don't look like you work out as much as you do. And that was a real kick in the balls. Um, it was basically saying, you, you know what, you should look a lot better for the amount that you work out, the amount that you, you're doing the Aikido or six, seven days a week, the karate once or twice, trying to fit three gem sessions in here. And what's going on? And saying, oh, do you, I just got, do you even lift it? Just a diplomatic, <laughs> do, do you even lift, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't think that was even a thing back then, right? And, uh, I, was, I was like, well, you, you know what? You, you're totally right. Um, and so I started looking into um nutrition and training more seriously and that kind of led me um eventually into doing what i do uh now yeah that that is a fascinating story i, I like the analogy of chiseling the pebble as well um of just not not focusing on just eating more not being afraid of, of losing the abs a bit and uh yeah that's uh it i'm not surprised that it was it was uh, a shaking experience to get to get bottled um yeah I, I was i was actually out last night and someone 
Um, someone got bottled and uh, he ended up with four or five bounces sitting on his head and blood coming down the back of his head and stuff. But just, They just pushed you too far, didn't they? Yeah, just... Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, it wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, I think he was just going around aggravating people rather than um, the victim in the situation. Um, it's funny, people look for a fight when they get drunk in the UK, don't they? It's something mm. about our culture and perhaps Europe and America in general. Um, here, people get drunk, they don't fight, they fall asleep. <laughs> really? um, they'll fall asleep on train station platforms, at bus stops, in the street, everywhere. Um, they can have their wallet just hanging out, nobody will touch it. It'll wow. be there. That's that's so interesting. Maybe something to do with the, the collective unconscious of of the British. Um, something that was interesting about I, sorry sorry Yusuf, okay. about yeah, about but, what you said um, with you know getting bigger to avoid fights. Mm. Um, I've actually noticed the <laughs> Yusuf was going to find this funny. I've actually noticed the direct opposite correlation. Mm. So I used to be I used to be chubby when I was little, um, mm. and that resulted in I guess kind of similar path to you. Like I was chubby at school got a lot of stick for it, got like was bullied essentially. That led me down the path of um training to kind of stop that. Um mm. and it stopped the bullying, but I found like people that you don't know when you're more of an intimidating presence and you're bigger, they almost see that as like a that's a, a threat just by your existence. And they want to deal with that with some kind of especially it, it happens uh, you know in the UK in nightclubs or pubs or whatever. Um, but have you ever no- have you noticed anything to do with that, or did you just find being bigger meant less problems? Well, that was my thinking. Right, <laughs> that wasn't actually what happened. I didn't get big. All uh, oh, right, I, I did gain some weight, but I didn't get big. Um, but I d- that friend uh, Bob who did the karate, he taught me uh, uh, the keyboard. Uh, uh, he's a big guy, uh, like twenty stone. Um, from rough, rough area. Um, yeah, uh, just rough um, area. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, he was in the army. Um, and, you, you know, he can handle himself. Um, he's, he's a weapon. Um, but he, people will, they'll have a few pints and they might come and try and try and have a go. Um, he's kind of that big now though. Um, and also his demeanor, like not many people would. Um, and just cause it, it, it just looked like it's, it's just going to end in a broken jaw for you, mm. you know? But, um, I, I think the, the street environment when you're walking down the street, let's say, and when you're in a bar, it's perhaps slightly different. Um, if you do find yourself getting, um, getting um that the aggro in the bars um wear a slightly looser t-shirt um i think people that they wear like very very skinny t-shirts to show off their muscles kind of they're they're okay they're trying to attract the ladies i understand that but they're also kind of making themselves a target from another perspective for from a disgruntled young man or group of men who are you know they're unhappy with how their night's gone and they're like oh look at that uh, guy over there and like he's you know they're like right let, let's do him you know um, that's probably where it comes from um, and uh, I think your your demeanor 
um, the way you walk, your body language can have a big impact on it as well. People, um, I, I don't understand the, the mentality of these people really because I'm not one of them, but I, I would guess that they want to attack a big guy to make themselves feel better, um, but they don't want a particularly hard big guy. They don't want a tough big guy. They just want a big guy. Um, so um, whatever you can do, um, in that way to make yourself less of a target, you know? Probably. This isn't actually something I, I thought we'd be, we'd be asking you about, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, but, but, but I'm, I'm really interested now, Andy, like what, what, what would you recommend for, uh, listeners that, um, to diffuse a situation like that? Or, um, if, you know, um, in terms of street fighting, I realize that, uh, karate is very much above board. Um, is there anything that you'd recommend in terms of, you, you said prevention is better than, than getting attacked in the first place. So apart from sort of trying to avoid the situations where it would happen, um, what would you recommend? I'm, I'm very fortunate in that I haven't been in a fight in, um, in my adult life outside of a dojo. Um, I'm not really the person to ask these things for as I've lived in Japan for so long. Um, if there have been any situations where I thought they might um, get nasty, I just try and be aware of around the room and see who's, you know, looking like they might want to start something and just move to a different area or get out of there if necessary or if someone is in my face always be smiley always you know take it as a joke and you know just back down but be ready to do them at the same time like watch where their hands are are they in their pockets do they have something be ready to take their throat <sighs> I can't believe we're talking about this <laughs> <laughs> Like I, when I was doing my training, I was always thinking of these things because I felt they were, I felt they were important. Um, <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought like this in a good few years now because I haven't trained, um, I haven't been down to dojo in a few years. But yeah, it's kind of coming, <laughs> it's kind of coming back. Actually, um, Jeff Thompson, um, he's a doorman. Um, he's got some good books on uh, this kind of stuff. Okay, so, so. <clears throat> interested in it, yeah, Jeff Thompson's books. That, that'll be awesome. So, <clears throat> I realise that uh, I'm, I'm not... not a tough man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're good at Aikido or Karate. I just you're tougher uh, than us, though. So uh, it's always always useful not, to learn. Probably not. I'm, I'm just a happy, friendly person. Um, <laughs> I don't like aggro. I don't like um, angry people. I try and avoid them at all costs. Um, there's just it's just better things to do. Mm. Um, yeah, absolutely. I just, I, do. Yeah. I, I guess sometimes, you know, it's, it's, it's unavoidable. Um, I used to live in Edinburgh, which isn't a rough town at all, but <clears throat> got attacked three times uh, while I was there over a few years. Really? Um, sexually assaulted once as well, which was a bit, <laughs> which was a bit weird. But um, Speaking was, of areas, was, we thought we'd never go down. Yeah. <laughs> I think we better, yeah. <laughs> we better discuss that another time. Um one thing I realize as well is that we haven't actually discussed any kind of diet stuff, Andy. So um, mm. I wonder if we can just end with a few questions just based on, on your book, which is called The Last Shred. Um, yeah. Is that available on your website? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can see it on the website if you just click the books tab there. Cool. Um, so you mentioned a few things about um, how to deal with weight stalling or not moving in the right direction. So going up when it's when calories are set to be... Um, set for weight loss or vice versa. Um, what what do you tend to look at when that's the case? Yeah, I think most people they get unstuck. Um, 
with... They feel that they've stalled when they have no objective basis to gauge to judge that on. So um, what I mean is they're only tracking their scale weight, for example, and they're not tracking it at a consistent time. And they're not being consistent with their diet enough either to be able to objectively, or they haven't waited enough time between um, measurements to be able to objectively say, yeah, I've actually stalled. Not, oh, I've got a water weight fluctuation or insert other thing here, you know. Um, so most people go wrong by not tracking in the first place. So most people, they'll start out, they're like, right, got to get my macros right. Okay, 2.2 uh, times my lean body mass. Shit, what's my lean body mass? Okay, get what's that machine at the gym? I'm going to go grab my the paddles and get my body fat percentage, which is going to be wrong anyway. But that doesn't matter. Um, because you can adjust it later. So they spend all of this time trying to find the perfect calculations and they don't think about how they're going to adjust those as their metabolism adapts in a few weeks, which it will. Your body adapts to calorie deficit or calorie surplus circumstances. Your metabolism um, is a, your um, uh, basal metabolic rate is, is, a, is a moving target. Um, so... Um, too much emphasis on the calculations and not enough emphasis on the tracking to then decide whether you have stalled and need to make an adjustment or not. And then if you have stalled, what adjustment are you going to make? Right? People don't think about these things. And this is everything in my business. This is what I do every day for people. That's what we do, right? We determine whether we're going to make an adjustment for people. So if you put training aside for a minute and, and we look at that, um, diet. Um, what I suggest is that you take your scale weight every morning. Um, you wake up, go to the toilet. Um, then you'll weigh yourself. Um, you'll note down the average uh, each day of the week and average it at the end of the week. All right. So this is because you're going to fluctuate across your days of the week depending on. Um, I bet because your calorie intake may fluctuate if you've chosen to do that. Um, your hydration status. Um, may fluctuate the amount of water retention that you could randomly have um will fluctuate as well um so then you can plot your weight over um over time over weeks over week ends periods um you also want to take body measurements i would say um take nine points of measurement um so your limbs that's four and then your chest that's five, um, your hips, that's six, and then three sites on the stomach. I would say at the navel, then three fingers below the navel, then three fingers above the navel. And the reason you do that is because fat loss, it comes from the top down if you are chasing fat loss. Um, it will come from the top down mainly, so you'll find it will come off a bit above the navel and at the navel to the start of your cut. Let's say you're coming down from 20% to say um, 14%, and then from 14 to say 10%, you're going to find that it's going to come mostly off that, that middle and lower measurement. And then when you're getting under 10% body fat, it's only coming off the lower measurement. And this is when, when you're getting like really shredded um, and the um, scale weight um, uh, changes are very, very small and you're getting frustrated. You need something to keep you sane. You need to... You need some data there to keep you sane to show that you are still progressing or not. 
And so that's where this lower stomach measurement comes in. So you won't see much change on the lower abs once you get under, once you get to 8% body fat, you, it's all gone off your abs pretty much. But your fat is still coming off your um, lower back. And that's why that um, lower um, measurement is so important. Um, but people don't think about that because they don't see that in a mirror. So they think that nothing's happening. Um, what you want to do is you want to take that data over the weeks and then at the end of a four-week period, have a look and see how the trend has been and see if you're on target. And you don't want to look at um, any single point of failure to determine that you've stalled. You want to look for any single point of progress, Does any single point of data to determine that you've progressed. So if your stomach measurements are down but your weight is the same, the last couple of weeks, three weeks, and well, you've lost fat, but maybe you've gained a bit of muscle as well. Well, bonus. Um, if your um, weight is coming down, but your stomach measurements um, haven't uh, changed, well, either um, you've lost muscle and gained fat, um, or just the measurements are lagging behind for some reason because you haven't been able to... Um, hey pick up that change poo poo yeah it could be poo and that, that's a good point actually i had a client just just yesterday um he was saying yeah that so his his uh his weight stand his lower stomach measurement hasn't really changed and yeah it's constipation yeah and well, I mean, that's what we managed bringing, to pin it down to it, it's a very real thing like i i i, I say it's slightly tongue-in-cheek but actually the, the weight of food in your gut um can yeah can be a big factor in both yeah body weight and as you said if you're taking three measurements of your um navel above and below a nice touch by the way um then yeah this, it's it's going to be an impact especially if your client was backed up and this is the stuff that is gonna um when you are on the ragged edge uh, especially when you're looking to get like really shredded not just lean but just silly shredded that you're probably not going to be able to maintain anyway, but you're going to go there just for shits and giggles. Um, you need these small points of hope along the way. Otherwise, you'll second guess your way into oblivion. Um, the other thing I'll get people to track along each week is rating their stress level on a one to five, rating their sleep level on a one to five, rating their fatigue level on a one to five, and... Um, Uh, yeah, their macro adherence. Um, I've got some rules for that, and their training adherence. And then um, I'll have the fatigue that they're feeling um, in each of the main compound lifts that we're doing. Not all the lifts, but just the relative level of fatigue that they're experiencing. So that will help tell me whether they perhaps need a deload or um, whether we should increase volume or or whatever. Yeah, I think what this sort of hints at really is the is the level of objectivity you're able to get when you're being coached because i think as mm. you if you're dieting yourself or managing your own diet you focus more and more on the noise that surrounds the signal rather than the signal that we're trying to measure so you'll focus on the one day where your weight was high or the one day where training was tough or the you know the week where maybe your macros were off but as you're saying if you can spot in a week in a week of weigh-ins that there was two days that were new low weigh-ins even if the weekly average wasn't quite in line or as you say, like maybe a measurement showing progress, then you can objectively look at that from a distance without the emotional bias and say, okay, we're still on the right track. We maybe need to make 
no adjustments this week or a smaller adjustment than normal. And I think that unless you've been through the situation, the, the experience of trying to diet yourself, it's impossible to really place a value on removing that when you're trying to diet because it's it's pretty significant in my experience. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's massive. Like our job is kind of more it's not getting people to do stuff, but stopping people from mm-hmm. doing stupid stuff. Um, helping them to see that that bigger picture. Um it getting getting them not to make the cuts they would otherwise have made. Yeah. So that's what I've tried to do. You mentioned my book. Um that's what I've tried to do in the book is um Write it so that people can self-coach. Um, it's fun. I, I've just hired um, uh, uh, my second guy on my team in Japan, um, and we're using that book to teach him how we coach, how we make decisions um, for the clients that he'll be uh, taking on in Japan for us. Um, and I hadn't actually thought about it as a... Training tool. Had, as, as a training tool internally, yeah. Mm. I'd written it as like a tool for people to self-coach or for other coaches so that they can see how I coach and get their own ideas. And it's not like, this is the only way to, this is the way to do it. It's, no, it's like, well, this is kind of what I've learned along the way <laughs> as I've made mistakes and, you know, just kind of tried to refine things. And maybe you will get some, if you're looking for a start point, this will be a solid start. And then you can work and refine and come up with your own ways of uh, tweaking these things uh, um, yeah as you progress as a coach yeah I think some of some of the problem comes with you know when you've been through you know how many years you've been training you've made all these mistakes and you've you've had all these realizations and that it becomes quite profound in your thinking you know when you say okay I'm not going to look at weight on a day or three days I'm going to look at it over you know, a month or a week or whatever that I think lacks weight when someone hasn't made those mistakes because they might hear that and think, oh, I don't want to weigh myself every day or I don't want to take measurements. It doesn't matter. Like I'm just going to do what this program from bodybuilding.com says. I think to a degree, if you're able to recognize that thinking in yourself and make some, you know, have someone else do it for you, then great. But I think by and large, people need to make their own errors, don't they? Before they reach these points of, of realization with it. Yeah, people need to just go and stuff it up and before they're, they're ready to be coached. Um, and and, and uh, I now I will write in long form. I'll write long, detailed articles on the site because anyone that's not prepared to, fo- to focus on long, detailed um, writing, um, they can just uh, uh, go fly a kite, I think my Irish friend would say, uh, for, for, for the time being until that site crashes. And not that I want that to happen, but... You know, in order to um, be prepared to focus on detailed writing and do these things that sound like a pain in the ass, you know, ah, so I have to weigh myself every morning. Really? What does that really entail? Five seconds? Ten? Because it's there and you write, you're jotting it down on a piece of paper. But it's that extra step that people won't be bothered to get into the habit to until it's forced upon them through um, getting stuck. And flying it's sad enough kites because they've... to, like, f- flying enough kites to then realise that actually, like, <laughs> I don't like flying kites anymore. I'm, I'm going to weigh myself. <laughs> yeah, but fl- I don't like crashing my kites anymore. Right? It took me like Time several really hours to make this one like this week, <laughs> and that's that's re- <laughs> you know you spend hours in the gym, but you're not prepared to 
to do these just these fundamental things um something that's actually really annoying is the idea in the fitness industry that like oh ignore your scale weight like the scale you know don't be so attached to the scale and that's just coming from this place of being afraid of measuring the truth isn't it like being afraid to measure what's actually happening because that might reveal that actually your adherence is low maybe your sleep's bad your calories are high you're not training enough and like Without your approach seems very similar to us in the sense that you're you're measuring some key things over time, looking for trends, looking for things to improve or change. Without that data, and and that data is a is a bit of a ball ache for a lot of people to to track mm. on a daily or a weekly basis. But without that, really, are you ever going to get to the levels of that people are actually looking for in their in their goals that they claim they want to reach? If you total it up, it'll probably take you 15 minutes extra a week. Exactly. Possibly less once you get used to it. But can, if you consider the time that you spend getting to the gym, showering after the gym, then in the gym, washing your clothes, drying your clothes, you know, it's nothing. Mm. Um, but the but the, the advice of ignore the scale weight, that is relevant to some people, but not the level of people that we coach at. Mm-hmm. Um, because some people um, will get wrapped up in the scale weight change. And so in that sense, it's... It can be useful advice to say, don't worry about the scale weight for now. Just um, focus on eating this way and training this way and feeling better. Um, That can be important for some, Mm. for sure. Um, But then... Going from there to kind of kind of the, the people that we work with, um, that, that there's an education jump there. So now, saying ignore the scale weight um, isn't going to work for us in our coaching needs. Um, but saying just t- t- take the scale weight um, and jot it down without the education on. Well, you're going to get fluctuations and you're going to get these fluctuations because your glycogen and water levels are going to vary and your stress levels will vary and that can um, raise cortisol and can bring uh, water fluctuations which will affect your scale weight and you know that you've got all of these uh, you've got all of these factors that can affect their scale weight so if it does fluctuate really don't worry about it don't read into it that you've made a mistake um you the for beginners r- 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 real beginners real people that are new to this that's just a little bit too much for them it could be so i, I can understand i think um, you know something we try and do because i think the reason that the advice the, the 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 origin of the advice ignore the scale comes from a place of realizing that people experience emotional fluctuations in line with their weight fluctuation and that comes from a place of as you were saying like that there's, there's, a, there's a, a gap in knowledge of what some someone looks at a number on a scale and associates that with something else in their life. So that means I'm getting fat, which means that I'll be less attractive to my partner, which means I'll be less happy. You know, there's this whole string of thoughts that happen. And we try and speak to clients about that and just to see all of these numbers as just data. Like it's just data collection. It doesn't mean anything beyond what the, what the number in context of the week or the month. And I think the more you can create a, a system that embodies that advice the more sustainable mm. it can be from you know someone who's never trained before to someone who's prepping for a powerlifting meet or a, or a bodybuilding show because i think it's it is really easy to to fall down the trap of i'll not measure anything and just go by feel and just i'll just eat clean and i'll just train by how i feel and stuff like that and i think it 
if you spend too long in that area, it can just become very frustrating and lead lead to people to almost just give up from what I've seen. Yeah, you you owe it to yourself. You're putting in this much, so much effort, hours of effort in per week. You owe it to uh, hours of effort per week. You owe it to yourself to spend the extra, say, twenty minutes for the next four weeks, and then fifteen minutes for the four weeks after, and then it will be ten minutes per week. I'm talking mm-hmm. about after that, just to get into the habit. You know, yeah, you know, um, of yeah. doing these and taking the um, the guesswork out of it. Um, and if people actually they want to get um, my guide to and this is it's all free on the site I'm just going to look into the menu to see if I can find it um, yeah it's, uh, it's I've got an article on how to track progress and it talks about the measurements and um, it's just on the website if they go to ripbody.jp and then they click on the menu um, nutrition. Then on the left side, under the initial setup, it's got tracking progress. And uh, yeah, that Great. that will take you. That will pretty much take you through. Um, in fact, this is a chapter of the of the book that you mentioned. Um, and it will show you how to um, track things. Um, I've, it's called um, how to track your progress like a pro to ensure body composition goal success. Cool. And Google hates that. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, how, how can we find out more about you, Andy, and uh, follow the rest of your work? Um, ripbody.jp um, or um, there's the muscle and strength pyramids. So that's muscleandstrengthpyramids.com. I got very fortunate last year. Um, Eric Helms approached me um, to... Uh, help him put together his muscle and strength pyramid nutrition and training a YouTube series um, with his uh, teammate on the 3D Muscle Journey, uh, Andrew Valdez. And um, we co-authored those. Um, I helped in my own little way um, to write uh, those books uh, with the two of them. Um, and those books have done really well. They're just helping get, uh, people get the priorities in order. Um, for their uh, nutrition and training. Yeah, they're uh, they're fantastic books. We've read both of them, and um, couldn't really be a better place to start for for reading on training and nutrition. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, Great. I, right, well, I feel really, really. Uh, how can I say? Uh, I don't quite know the words. <laughs> Or, but I feel very fortunate to have been a part of that project and um, every day I kind of feel that I need to earn my uh, earn my crust in how we can make these books better for the, sure. the second editions um, which people get for free if they bought the set of books it's free free uh, updates forever and we've got some ideas on how we can you know make them better and yeah we're just really looking forward to to uh, to building these into something i think they're they're good that i think they're great anyway because uh you know eric andrea they're just and their coaching team 3d muscle journey they're just they're just great at what they do um and uh, i'm just looking forward to building these into just something exceptional you know yeah, yeah. eric's awesome we we both we got coached by him for a couple of years each so he's taught us a lot about you know what we know for coaching and our general understanding so 
I can imagine working with them, collaborating on a book must have been an incredible experience as well. A bit nerve-wracking uh, <laughs> start with for sure. Uh, so I, I kind of uh, I would I would send over the so I drafted the the um, training book. Um, the first draft was mine, um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, my approach with it was here's my uh, shitty draft of the uh, first layer. Um, it's only 80% done, but what do you think kind of thing is like how I covered it when I sent it over. And, you know, Eric was very gracious with, uh, uh, rewriting the entire thing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like that's the only way I could get it through because, you know, in my mind, otherwise I would have just been, this needs to be perfect. This needs to be perfect. This is Eric Helms. This is representing his work. <gasps> So I just, you know, I would send it across as um, not yet complete and that kind of um, short-circuited the uh, the panic in my mind of it. And uh, <laughs> yeah, with, with, you know, it's turned into a good friendship. Um, That's really cool. And it's a great project. And I think it's what the industry needs, really. So um, nice big slap of, uh, of logic and rationality to the whole thing. Thank you. No more bodybuilding.com style. Uh, to, to be fair, bodybuilding.com is actually up to their game quite a lot recently. Like they're, they're not, they're not terrible. <laughs> yeah, that's Sorry. good to hear. Yeah. Okay, Andy, I think we're gonna gonna wrap it up there. But it's been it's been great chatting. Um, so if anyone wants to find out more about you, it's ripped body ripped ripped <laughs> it. ripped body dot jp. Correct. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, sorry about that. We'll put the link in the description if if you can understand Johnny's uh, <laughs> rendition of rippedbody.jp. Um. No, n- not got a clue. Foreign language to me. Yeah. What's this? What's this .jp thing? Like, <laughs> is, is this a trustworthy site? Are they going to steal my credit card Sounds information? Dodgy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking to .com. I'll see if I can get that. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Andy, yeah, great to chat and speak to you soon, hopefully. Yeah, good chatting with you too. Thank you for having me on and thanks to everyone for listening. I appreciate it. All right, guys, it. that's it for episode 43 of the Propane Fitness Podcast. If you want to get the show notes and if there's anything on here that piqued your interest, you can get all of that on the website, propanefitness.com. On there, you can also subscribe to Android, Stitcher, iTunes um, and get the, the video version on YouTube as well. Speak to you soon. <laughs>